0: It's so good to see everybody tonight. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 21. John 21. So if you get to John chapter 21, back up two verses to John chapter 20 and verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So if you're ever talking to somebody and they they seem to be genuinely interested in becoming a Christian, but they're they're just not sure about it, ask them to read the Gospel of John and ask them to pray for Jesus to reveal himself to them while they read the Gospel of John. That is the purpose of of this book. Now go to chapter 21. What I want to talk about tonight is is right division in the book of John. So here in this transitional chapter, chapter 21, that's leading into the book of Acts, do you, you notice where it is placed in your Bible? This is the transitional chapter from the, from the Gospels to the book of Acts. There's one other thing that I want to mention. When you hear about the synoptic Gospels, the synoptics, you've heard that, I'm sure you read it that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not all four Gospels. That's why they that's why they don't say the Gospels. They say the Synoptics. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all very similar. John is kind of on its own because John was written after the writings of the Apostle Paul. And so the way this is positioned in your Bible is really the Gospel of John separates Matthew, Mark, and Luke from the book of Acts. And so even the Gospel of John is a transition into the church age and the church age gospel. But here in John chapter 21, there are some significant interpretive principles that we're going to use as we go through the book of Acts. We're going to learn some things here in John chapter 21 that will help us in the book of Acts. So look at John chapter 21 and look with me at verse 21, Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, what what shall thou... I'm sorry, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee?" So here's an interpretive principle that we get right here. The words matter. The words matter. It's not okay to add words, phrases, and concepts. It's not okay for you to take a statement of Christ and make it mean what you want it to mean or what is is popular. So notice what it says. Then, verse 23, Then went this saying, Abroad among the brethren. So when other Christians say something, you understand that what whatever popular Christianity says is probably wrong. And so sometimes we, we feel like we're alone and, man, it feels like nobody else agrees with us. Yeah, exactly. That's That is a biblical principle and it's an interpretive principle. The majority is almost always wrong. The majority, when it comes to biblical interpretation, the majority is almost always wrong. Why? Because our hermeneutic. Our biblical principle in studying the Bible is to compare the words, to believe the words, to care about the words, and to study the words. A guy named Chuck Missler, he used to say that that you need to take the Bible seriously. You need to take it seriously. So not only take it literally, but take it seriously. Every one of those words matters. So let's see how this works. Verse 23, then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die, yet Jesus said not unto him he shall not die. But if I will, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So here's a principle. So if we are in a smaller room, I would ask somebody to give me the answer on this. Here's the principle. Never base a doctrine on a question. Never base a doctrine on a question. We base doctrine on declarative statements in Scripture. So here he's giving a, Jesus is giving a hypothetical, so look at the hypothetical in verse twenty two. Jesus saith unto him, "If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me." So what if he lives until I return? What's the, what business of that is yours? That's not the teaching of doctrine. He's asking a question. So here's our principle, two principles. Number one, number one, take the word seriously. This is, a, this is a question. It's clearly giving a hypothetical question. But then the, the, the direct question, what is that to thee? That's exactly it. Mind your own business. That's what he was saying right here. And then he gives a declaration. He gives a question and a declaration. The question is, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? That, we can't base doctrine on that. But we can base doctrine on the next three words. Follow thou me. But even that, thou, is thou a T word or a Y word? All right, so that means it's what? Singular or plural? Singular. It's singular. So here, even in this, if you're going to interpret it properly, that's not a command for me. That's a command for Peter. Peter, don't ask me about John. You do your own thing. That's what's going on. And then you follow me. Follow thou me. So again, our interpretive principle is to look at the words. Second interpretive principle is never base a doctrine on a question. All right, let's keep going. There's more. It's really fun. Verse 24. This is a disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. So here's our third interpretive principle. Believe the Bible. Believe it. The testimony of the apostles. Sometimes it's called the testimony of the four evangelists. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The testimony of the four. Believe it. Believe it. Now, there's a lot of attack on that. This was written years after the event. Sometimes the, the, the sayings don't even agree. What do we... Believe it. Believe it. The testimony is true. And, and this is the clear teaching of Scripture. So, hold your place here. Go to Luke chapter 1. I want you to notice something. Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things, look at this, which are most surely believed among us, so they were believed before Luke wrote the Bible, Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, look at what it says, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So look at the way he's writing. Is is Luke writing authoritatively here? Now, imagine if I said, I have perfect understanding of everything that's happened at Grace Baptist Church in the last 25 years. That'd be kind of a weird thing to say, wouldn't it? I don't remember everything that's happened in the last 25 years. Laurel will say, hey, do you remember when such and such happened? I don't have any recollection. I've n- I, I, no, it's not there. I don't know. Hey, do you remember so-and-so? Uh, no. Nope. So I don't have perfect recollection. How could Luke write this? Because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bring all things to your remembrance. The saying is sure. The saying is true. Luke had perfect understanding. Of everything that had happened. This is the principle that we have to understand. When we read commentaries, you read a footnote in your Bible, it might doubt, well, we're not sure where this information came from. It appears that Mark got his information from Peter, and so it was secondhand, so we don't necessarily trust. I was reading a commentary. Lawrence Vance sent me this amazing set of commentaries this week on the book of Acts, and it's a humbling thing. I've got to call him this evening and, and thank him, but um This guy named Craig Keener wrote this commentary, and the first thing that... He he has a section in his introduction. His introduction is like 300 pages long or 400 pages long on this introduction to the book of of, of Acts. And um, he said uh, there was a section on textual criticism, and he says that the book of Acts is the most problematic book in the New Testament. Does that sound different than the way that Luke introduced... The book. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke did. Did God promise to preserve his word? Then the text isn't problematic. You might be a problem to believe it. But if you just believe what the Bible says, that removes the problem. See, this is our interpretive principle. God gave them perfect understanding. God gave them the words to write down. Then he preserved those words. Those words were translated accurately and preserved in the Bible that we have in English. We have it. So back to to John chapter 21. Look at verse 24 again. This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. We know that his testimony is true. We know. Verse 25. There's another principle. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, The which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. All right? So, interpretive principle. Believe every word of God. Amen? All right? So here's what it says. This, there are many other things that Jesus did that if they were all written, the books of the world couldn't contain them. Go back to John chapter 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. All right? So everything that Jesus did and said is not written in the Bible. Everything God wants us to have that Jesus said and did is written in the Bible. This is called the principle of measured words. The principle of measured words. God chose a limited number of words. This set of commentaries that Dr. Vance just bought me, I don't know... It's that big on the book of Acts. Small print, several columns on the book of Acts. Why do I need to read that much work on a book that is that thick? Isn't that interesting? Fascinating. Now, I'm really glad I have that set. It's an academic set. There's so much stuff in it. I'm thrilled that I have it. It's going to be very fun. But but it is interesting. How many of you would struggle to read 10,000 pages of commentary on the book of Acts? Seriously, how many of you would struggle to do that? Well, here's the good news. It's like 20 pages. That's the principle of measured words. God gave you every word he wants you to have. Now, again, I praise God for my library. I'm working in it. If you walked in there right now, it looks like a bomb went off. I'm trying to get it all organized. But I'm very thankful for my library. I'm thankful for the books. Don't think I'm diminishing that. I'm not. But none of them compare to this. And very important. Here's the, the, the basic premise of the principle of measured words. Number one, under this point, number one, We have every word he wanted us to have. Number two, he didn't leave any out. Right? How many of you sometimes wish God had addressed something he didn't address? That we don't get a vote. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. That We don't get a vote on that. God gave us every word that he wants us to have. All right? The other thing that happens, okay, so... Listen to all these principles that we're learning. Believe every word. um, Don't add words to it. Never base a doctrine on a question. um, Believe that it's true because God gave them, brought to remembrance all things. Right? That's in verse 24. Verse 25, that this principle of measured words. Believe it. Believe it. Now, here's our last principle for the day. What conservative, now liberals throw out everything supernatural, right? They're naturalistics. They don't believe in anything supernatural. Conservatives do their best. If they can find a humanistic explanation for a passage, they throw out the supernatural. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There may or may not have been a Jonah. Jonah may or may not have been swallowed by a whale. You know, all of those kinds of things. Here in this passage, how many like the women caught, the women caught in adultery? You know, go and sin no more. How many of you have ever read that passage? How many of you believe that passage? That's not in the modern Bibles. That that account is not considered to be part of your Bible by them. Think about that. You that was out sin, cast the first stone. Have you ever heard that? You ever heard that? No, no, that's not in the Bible. Well, listen, I'm going to believe what God has preserved for me more than these critical scholars. But these are even conservative scholars. I'm talking about Liberty University. I'm talking about conservative scholars question things like that in the Bible because they have bought this non-supernatural view of the text. Non-supernatural view of preservation of the text. They do believe in miracles. They believe in the literal creation. But if there's a way to get around, you know, the sons of God entering into the daughters of men. These spiritual things that happen. If they can find a way to explain that away, they will. Um, Some of you remember we watched in my Sunday school class years ago a debate between uh, Christopher Hitchens and William Lane Craig. And Christopher Hitchens asked William Lane Craig, do you believe that there were demons? Listen to what Craig's answer was. I believe the disciples believed there were demons. Well, then I could believe that Laura's got a six-foot friend, Harvey, who's a, an invisible rabbit. Well, she believes that. Is there really an invisible six-foot rabbit next to her right now? Could be. I don't know. Could She believes that there is. Is that a defense of Scripture? How many of you believe that Jesus cast out de- devils? How many of you believe that? Why do we believe that? Because the Bible says it. There's one of those examples right here, verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Well, clearly that's hyperbole. There are several million books in the world. Surely if we, if we wanted to fill up all of those books, we could. this is just hyperbole, right? Or for Ty, that's hyperbole for you. Okay. Do you understand that's the way people read the Bible? Let's see if that's true. I think some of you already know where I'm going. Go to Psalm 139. It's so fun when the world catches up with the Bible. Verse 14, Psalm 139, verse 14. And again, this is poetry. And so people don't believe every word of this. But if you believe every word of this, and you believe every word of John chapter 21, verse 25, if you believe every word, all of a sudden God opens up some amazing truth. All right, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. Now, what is your substance? It's what you're made of. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Remember what the word perfect means in the Bible. Complete, finished, done. All right? So, Luke had complete understanding of everything that had happened. Right? So, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Oh, Look at this. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So all of his members were written in a book, in his substance. The Bible says that we're created in God's image. The Bible then says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. How about that? And so when they find out that we're made up of individual cells, then they find out that those individual cells are made up of DNA, and that DNA contains all of my substance, yet being unperfect, that DNA tells everything about me, how tall I'll be, what food I like, what diseases I'll be susceptible to. That DNA tells me what color my eyes will be. It says everything about me. And each one of those cells is made up of a four billion letter word. And with all the people in the world, and with the number of cells that you have in your body, there's no way that all the books of the world could contain that. And this is what the Bible says that Jesus wrote in his book, everything that he did. You see, when you believe every word of God, all of a sudden you find things in the Bible that science didn't even know existed. You know, we didn't know that, that's, that, that, those, that, that a DNA strain is a four billion letter word. I don't know when we did. When did they discover that? Ty, do you remember when they discovered That's not that long ago. Isn't that amazing? It was the 1950s, I think, when Francis Crick discovered DNA, Crick and Watson. Then they finally have, I think they're done mapping the human genome. They're just figuring out what all this stuff is. And the Bible says here that our members are written in a book. It's a word. So what are our principles? Our principles are, listen, believe every word of God. It's true. Our principles, let's go back to John believe what he says. Every word of God is true. Verse 22. He asks a question. Never base a doctrine on a question. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples that the disciple should that that disciple should not die. Don't base a doctrine on a question and certainly don't change the words of it to make your position. And then understand that the Bible is true. God gave them perfect understanding so that everything we have, these accounts are true. And then Very clearly, principle of measured words, and if you believe every word, he will unlock unbelievable truth. Isn't that fun? And so what we're going to do is we will use all of those principles as we go through the book of Acts to learn to unlock the truth that's in it, to make sure that we can have confidence in what we're preaching. Praise God for that. Let's all stand together. Lord, we love you. You're so good to us. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And Lord, I I know that we have a lot of our, our home folks here, but I pray if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice that's never asked you to save them, that today will be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name.